I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Friday, July 21st, 2023, the 912th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Now, as we get started, I want to take a minute and discuss the hearings over the last two days. Now, both of these hearings, when I look at these congressional hearings, we had one on Wednesday with the IRS whistleblowers, and then yesterday we had the censorship hearing with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Emma Jo Morris and some others. But when I'm thinking about these hearings, what I think about them is that these are kind of an overt performance of disclosure. Occasionally, they 
produce new interesting information, but a lot of the time they serve as very refined reruns for stories that we already know about and potentially have known about for a long time. I've talked about reruns before, the idea that these stories are going to play over and over and over again in public until everybody kind of catches up and understands the point of the story and the important details and their relevance and how things work. Most people at this point, for instance, don't have too much doubt that the government was involved in censorship campaigns against the American people, including of prominent figures like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And of course, with stories like the Hunter Biden laptop vaccinations, anything to do with the election, it got to the point where anything inconvenient for the federal government had to be censored by the social media platforms. Yesterday's hearings were particularly amusing because there were efforts by the Democrats to censor and shout down the witnesses at a censorship hearing. Here is Debbie Wasserman Schultz bringing a motion to take the testimony into an executive session, which means that the testimony would be given behind closed doors rather than out in public so that the American people could actually hear from him. I'd like to raise I'd like to raise a point of order. Gentlelady, you state a point of order. Point of order pursuant to House Rule 11, Clause 2, which Mr. Kennedy is violative of, I move that we remove into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments as recently as last week. Rule 11, Clause 2 says, whenever it is asserted by a member of the committee that the evidence or testimony at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate any person, or it is asserted by a witness that the evidence or testimony that the witness would give at a hearing may tend to defame, degrade, or incriminate the witness, and it goes on. Mr. Kennedy, uh, among many other things, has said, I know a lot now about bioweapons. We put out hundreds of millions of dollars in, into ethnically targeted microbes. The Chinese have done the same thing. In fact, COVID-19, there is an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately. The races that are most immune to COVID-19 are- A lady making a motion or a speech? I, and I've made a motion to move into executive session because Mr. Mr. Kennedy's testimony- Mr. Chairman, I move to table the motion. So right out of the gate, they try to just shut the whole thing down. The public does not need to see this. The public does not need to hear from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But of course, he was able to get his comments on the record over the course of the hearing. Not that Democrats didn't try to silence him in other ways and try to shame him for comments that he has made recently that we covered on Monday and in the past. All of this is said to be racist and, of course, anti-scientific. He is spreading mis and dis and malinformation and should not be heard from by anyone. No one should be forced to listen to Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And thank goodness. We don't have to if we don't want to. He can just say things and we can decide whether or not to listen. And then he says things we can decide whether or not to agree. Isn't that amazing? We don't need the government's help at all. Now, in addition to their efforts to silence him, Democrat representatives did the same thing they did the day before in the IRS whistleblower hearings. They attempted to claim, as always, that they were the real victims and they also attempted to claim that the hearings themselves were a distraction 
It was just partisan political gamesmanship. The American people don't care about these issues. What the American people care about are Democrat issues about science and social justice. You know, the whole thing, racisms, climate changes, stuff like crime and inflation that they'll pretend the Republicans caused. They decided that the phrase two tier system of justice was racist because really that can only apply to black people and racism. They didn't spend their time questioning the witnesses. They spent their time grandstanding and creating clips for the nightly cable news shows. I talked about this a bit this morning with CanCon on Badlands Daily. The way to look at these hearings and what the Democrats are doing in these hearings is that they are essentially filming scenes for part of a television show to be played later on the cable news channels. You got Joy Reid. You got Chris Hayes. You got whoever replaced Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo over on CNN. And they're going to cover the hearings, but they can't cover the actual substance of the hearings because they don't want anyone in their audience to know the substance of the hearings. They don't want their audiences to know about the improprieties of Joe and Hunter Biden. They don't want the public to know about their efforts to censor Americans in direct violation of the First Amendment. So they'll pretend that none of that happened. But they can't pretend that the hearings didn't happen. So they'll cover the hearings. And in covering the hearings, they will use clips of these Democrat representatives talking about a range of subjects that have absolutely nothing to do with the substance of the hearings whatsoever. They will say just outright, why are we doing this? This is a waste of time. We should be focused on this and that and the other thing. They'll portray themselves as the people focused on the real problems while the Republicans are focused on these gotcha attempts against the administration. Now, of course, Republicans have done this in the past, and some honestly still do, but it's still worth mentioning so that we can understand what exactly it is they're doing. They are filming sound bites that are going to be edited in to cable news segments later that evening. Rather than showing Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talking about the First Amendment and the efforts to censor him, they'll play a clip of a person of color representative talking about how we should be focused on the real problems that always have to do with race. And in fact, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is racist. Stacey Plaskett accused him of that directly. All they're doing is filming part of a scene that will be played out on the cable news later that night. It's part of a TV show. And the purpose of that TV show is to convince the American people that nothing of value was said in the hearing. And in fact, it's all a big conspiracy theory and it's all a waste of time. Stacey Plaskett went after Robert F. Kennedy Jr. thinking that she had found some association with MAGA in his campaign fundraising. She must have done her own research or maybe had someone else do it. But it turned out wrong, and she looked like a fool in the hearing. Now, there are obviously plenty of clips from that. I think those clips are great. If you're able to share them with people who are just kind of awakening to all of this, the sort of people who will have the reaction, whoa, they really did that? I didn't know that they did that. That is a great reaction to these hearings. And if you have people in your life who are prepared to react like that, share the clips with them. 
But otherwise, most of this is stuff that we already know in full because these are reruns. We've been talking about these stories and showing examples of all of this for years now. The new part of this for us is how many more people are seeing it and understanding it at this point. That's the entire point of this venture in the first place. The disclosure effort is so that more people know every time the rerun is played again. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't need to rehash it. Each one of these reruns is a good refresher course, but the best use of all this content and all this information is showing it to people who are on the verge of waking up, who are open to understanding what's really going on because they will see all of this as new information and it helps them catch up to the present in their understanding. And so let's take a couple of minutes on the IRS whistleblower hearing from Wednesday. This is USA Today. IRS whistleblowers lash out at federal officials in fiery Hunter Biden hearing. Two whistleblowers provided Congress with their side of the story from the years-long investigation into Hunter Biden, who has become a lightning rod for Republican allegations about a two-tiered justice system in the United States. Get that? They're all just focused on Hunter Biden, but he probably didn't do any of these things. Speaking to leaders of three House committees who held a joint hearing Wednesday, IRS employees Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler, who was previously known as Whistleblower X, alleged U.S. Justice Department officials slow walked the investigation into President Joe Biden's youngest son. Joseph Ziegler had formerly been identified as Whistleblower X. This is from the USA Today article. During his opening statement, Ziegler emphasized that he is a gay man and a registered Democrat who has been accused of betraying his party. He compared testifying to the day he came out as a member of the LGBTQ community. So not exactly a partisan Republican conspiracy theorist, I guess. Ziegler alleged David Weiss, the U.S. attorney for Delaware, who was appointed by former President Donald Trump, previously agreed certain felony charges against Hunter Biden were warranted. But he said other Justice Department officials believed no jury would convict him given his drug addiction and the death of his brother, Beau Biden. So white collar crime is okay if you have a sob story attached to it. Hunter Biden improperly claimed business deductions for a range of personal expenses, Ziegler said, from his children's college tuition to stays for his drug dealer at a Hollywood hotel. In written testimony, he said he was denied a request to interview Hunter Biden's adult children, alleging prosecutors said that would, quote, get us into hot water. The article goes on. During his opening statement, Shapley said aspects of the investigation were delayed until after the 2020 election and then never pursued because of the political optics, including any examination of Joe Biden's role, if any. Prosecutors instructed investigators not to ask about the big guy or dad when conducting interviews, he said. And naturally, Democrats tried to claim that none of this was actual evidence that Hunter Biden had done anything wrong. And of course, the entire thing is a conspiracy theory and a distraction. And that, of course, is absurd. So yesterday, we were finally presented with the long-anticipated FD-1023 form. This is Kanakoa the Great on Twitter. 
Senator Chuck Grassley released the FD-1023 form, alleging that Mikola Zlochevsky, Burisma's founder, paid a $5 million bribe each to Vice President Joe Biden and Hunter Biden to have Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin fired. Hunter was reportedly hired by Zlochevsky to use his political influence to halt investigations into money laundering. In 2018, Joe Biden admitted to pressuring Ukraine's president to fire Shokin, who was investigating his son's Ukrainian energy company, using the threat of withholding a $1 billion U.S. loan guarantee. In 2020, Ukrainian officials seized a $6 million cash bribe linked to Zlochevsky, aimed at stopping an investigation into Burisma's founder. The bribe was found in the form of $100 bills wrapped in rubber bands and held in plastic bags. Kanakoa presents the FD-1023 in his post and highlights some little sections. I want to read through some of this section because it's kind of hilarious. Confidential human source told that CHS, by the way, told Zlochevsky that due to Shokin's investigation into Burisma, which was made public at this time, it would have a substantial negative impact on Burisma's prospective IPO in the United States. Zlochevsky replied something to the effect of, don't worry, Hunter will take care of all those issues through his dad. Confidential human source did not ask any further questions about what that specifically meant. And this FD 1023 form, if it's not clear, is the summation of the claims by the confidential human source to the FBI. CHS asked Zlochevsky why Burisma would pay 20 to 30 million dollars to buy a U.S. company for IPO purposes when it would be cheaper to just form a new U.S. entity or purchase a corporate shell that was already listed on an exchange. Zlochevsky responded that Hunter Biden advised Burisma it could raise much more capital if Burisma purchased a larger U.S.-based business that already had a history in the U.S. oil and gas sector. CHS recalled Zlochevsky mentioned some U.S.-based gas businesses in Texas, the names of which CHS did not recall. CHS advised Zlochevsky it would be problematic to raise capital in the U.S. given Shokin's investigation into Burisma, as nobody in the U.S. would invest in a company that was the subject of a criminal investigation. CHS said it would be best if Burisma simply litigate the matter in Ukraine and pay some attorney $50,000. Zlochevsky said he and Burisma would likely lose the trial because he could not show that Burisma was innocent. Zlochevsky also laughed at CHS's number of $50,000, not because of the small amount, but because the number contained a five and said that, quote, it cost five million to pay one Biden and five million to another Biden. CHS noted that at this time, it was unclear to CHS whether these alleged payments were already made. CHS told Zlochevsky that any such payments to the Bidens would complicate matters and Burisma should hire, quote, some normal U.S. oil and gas advisors, end quote, because the Bidens have no experience with that business sector. Zlochevsky made some comment that although Hunter Biden, quote, was stupid and his dog was smarter, end quote, Zlochevsky needed to keep Hunter Biden on the board, quote, so everything will be okay, end quote. 
CHS inquired whether Hunter Biden or Joe Biden told Zlachevsky he should retain Hunter Biden. Zlachevsky replied, they both did. So unless Zlochevsky and the confidential human source are lying, we can assume this happened. The FBI has known about this for quite a while. Why haven't American citizens known about it? But then again, American citizens have known about it. We had the Hunter Biden laptop reporting before the election in 2020. We also had a report from Senators Johnson and Grassley laying out a bunch of information on Biden family corruption and shady business deals with our foreign adversaries. All of that was available before the election of 2020, but people ignored it. The media tried to cover it all up and ran interference, and the tech companies censored anyone talking about the truth of the Biden family businesses. And this is why I often talk about timelines. It was entirely possible for everyone in the country to know that the Bidens were corrupt before the election of 2020. And a great many people did know that. And a great many people knew that the Bidens have been corrupt for a very, very long time. But the media distracted and obfuscated the tech companies censored. And to those standard issue villagers who that worked on, who then ignored the whole thing, well, they were all trapped in an informational past relative to Biden corruption. Now, you would hope that at some point over the last three years, they've begun to wake up to all of that. And maybe for some of them, the news that's been coming out over the past few weeks is what has really hammered it home. And people know generally now that Joe Biden and his family are thoroughly corrupt, but they ignored it in 2020 when they're thinking on that issue and their decision making stemming from that issue would have really mattered for them. And that's kind of a parallel thought process to what I talked about on the informational time machine episode with the vaccine. If people had known two and a half years ago that the vaccine was not very safe, not very effective, potentially extremely dangerous and had absolutely no chance of providing herd immunity, well, a lot of those people would not have taken the vaccine. And we have seen a lot of people who originally took it forego getting any of the boosters because they realized at some point that the vaccines were not safe, not effective, not necessary, were potentially very dangerous and could not help. But they were delayed on a timeline. They made a wrong decision a couple years ago because they ignored information that was already available at that time. Of course, they were going to realize in the future what the truth was. But because it was delayed for so long, it didn't factor into their decision making when it mattered. The same, of course, is true with Biden family corruption and the way the American people cast their votes in the 2020 election. Not that the election results reflect the will and intent of the American people in any way whatsoever. But the point is not that the results would have changed, but the intent of Americans when casting their vote would have changed their decision making and their decision making responsibility would have led to a different outcome for them had they known and accepted the information at the time. These are not new stories now. These are just additional details, additional levels of granularity. Zlochevsky basically claims that he was forced to pay the Bidens. He also says he has 17 recordings of the Bidens that illustrate their knowledge and complicity in this payment scheme, two of which he claims 
feature the illegitimate president himself. Zlochevsky knew he was dealing with not only corrupt and shady political figures, but also very stupid ones. So all of this revolves around the firing of prosecutor Viktor Shokin, who was looking into corruption in Ukraine. And it's real hard for the Bidens to claim innocence on this one because this piece of audio has existed for years. And on the timeline, you could have known about it back then. And I'm imagining many of you probably do. And that is I'm desperately concerned about the backsliding on the part of uh, uh, Kiev in terms of corruption. They made, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one concrete example. I, I, I was... Not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our <coughs> others, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, right, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev. And, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours." If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. So that is the fake president bragging about his own political corruption in a talk at the Council on Foreign Relations. And as I've mentioned on the podcast before, it's kind of incredible that he's implicating Barack Obama in all of this as well. Not that there's any chance that Barack Obama isn't fully involved in all of these situations, but he's essentially either exceeding his authority and speaking for the authority of the office of the president when he is not president, or he is speaking with the approval already of President Barack Obama. That, my friends, is corruption at the highest levels, admitted to by the corrupt. Now, again, all of this was known prior to the election in 2020. And what else was known? Well, that Hunter Biden's laptop was completely and totally real. DNI John Ratcliffe at the time said it was real. The director for national intelligence said it was not part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Naturally, the FBI knew it was real. And who else knew it was real? Well, the social media companies knew it was real. This is the New York Post from yesterday. FBI told Twitter Hunter Biden laptop was real on day of the New York Post scoop, official says. A senior FBI official told Twitter that Hunter Biden's laptop was legitimate on the same day the Post published the first article in its bombshell reporting series on documents linking President Biden to his son's foreign business deals, according to deposition testimony released Thursday by the House Judiciary Committee. That confirmation was not shared with voters ahead of the 2020 election, as dozens of former intelligence officials and then presidential candidate Joe Biden falsely suggested 
that incriminating documents were Russian disinformation. Somebody from Twitter essentially asked whether the laptop was real, and one of the FBI folks who was on the call did confirm that, yes, it was, before another participant jumped in and said, no further comment. Laura Demlo, section chief of the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force, recollected in a closed-door deposition Monday, according to a release from the Republican-led committee. Now, you might remember that Twitter censored the New York Post story. They locked Twitter's account until they were willing to take down that post about the Hunter Biden laptop. And they did all of that. The justification they used was that the laptop might be hacked material. And in that case, it would violate their hacked material policy. Now we know for certain that the FBI knew the laptop was real, of course, but also that they had confirmed to Twitter it was real. The House Weaponization Committee on Twitter described it this way. Testimony reveals FBI employees who warned social media companies about quote unquote hack and leak operation knew the Hunter Biden laptop wasn't Russian disinformation. But when asked by a social media company about the laptop's authenticity, the FBI said no further comment. Now, again, virtually nothing I have said so far in this podcast is new information. If you've been listening to this show for a long time, you'll probably already know the details of all of these issues, except they're coming out again in reruns. And every time we get to watch the rerun, we get to see some new details that maybe we missed last time or we didn't focus enough on last time. And they settle a little bit further into our understanding. The little pieces of the story become clearer. And once they're clear, it's easier to connect them all and understand the big picture. But the ultimate importance is how we are able to communicate this information to people who are just beginning to learn about all of these issues. For us, it can be boring. It can be frustrating, but it's still important to be on top of them because other people will be discussing. them. And before we move on from the fake president and his corrupt family, let's have a flashback to 2019 and remember how Joe Biden acts whenever he is questioned about the family business. But you, on the other hand, sent your son over there to get a job and work for a gas company that he had no experience with gas or nothing in order to get access to the public, for the president. So you're, you're selling access to the president just like he is. So you're a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. No one has feel that. No. You see it on the TV. No, I know you do. And by the way, that's why I, I'm not sedentary. I don't. I get up and 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 let let go. Let go. Look, the reason I'm running is because I've been around a long time and I know more than most people know, and I can get things done. That's why I'm running. And you want to check my shape on, let's do push-ups together, man. Let's do what's wrong. Let's do whatever you want to do. Let's take it on the Number two. Number two. No one has said my son has done anything wrong, and I did not on any occasion. And no one has ever said it. Now, I didn't one, say you were doing anything wrong. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. You know what you said? I Get your work straight, Jack. That's but I re- re- hear on the on MSNBC. All you don't hear that on MSNBC. No, no, I you do not hear that at all. You heard, 
Look, okay, I'm not going to get an argument in that. No, I don't want to either. Well, yeah, you do, but uh, look, 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 here's the deal. Here's the deal. It, it looks, it looks like you don't have any more backbone than Trump does when you're. Oh, Talk. Let him talk. Any other questions? Yeah, all right. I'm not voting for you. Why do you want me? You think I probably stand a vote for you? You're too old to vote for me. All right, here we go. So that's Joe Biden denying it all in 2019. Getting angry, calling the man a damn liar, fat, too old to vote for him. Who knows what that means? especially for a fake president that had people who were 120 years old voting for him and dead people voting for him. And they stole all those votes in the nursing homes. Those people actually were too old to vote for Joe Biden, but he got their votes anyway. Isn't that amazing? Now, changing subjects without a segue. This is from Wednesday in the New York Times. Google tests AI tool that is able to write news articles. Now we know the news is fake, but how fake is it? At first we thought we had real news about real events where real reporters were trying to give us the real story. Then we thought we had real news about real events where real reporters were giving us a kind of fake story. Then we found out we had real news based on fake events by real reporters trying to tell us a fake story. Then it became fake news about fake events with real reporters telling us a fake story. Now we have fake news about fake events with fake reporters telling us a fake story. But hey, I guess the news at least still exists. I mean, this article is in the New York Times and it might be written by real humans. According to this article, those Potentially real humans are called Benjamin Mullen and Nico Grant. One of them is a skinny, nerdy little white guy who's sort of laughing. And one of them is a black guy who looks like half his face disappeared. Google is testing a product that uses artificial intelligence technology to produce news stories, pitching it to news organizations, including the New York Times, the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal's owner, News Corp, according to to three people familiar with the matter. So hopefully these real journalists telling us a real story about real events also are doing so on the basis of three real people familiar with the matter. But those three people don't have to be real at all. This entire thing could be made up. And the truth is this entire thing probably is made up, at least in the sense of how they're framing the timelines. I mean, what are they doing here? Telling on Google? Ooh, Google just tried to approach us and offer us the opportunity to make AI news. Can you believe it? Thank goodness for you that we are tattling on Google and telling all of you because you really need to know. Well, that's probably not it. They have probably been doing this for a while, and now they're letting us know that they were doing it so that when we find out that they are doing it, we'll be like, yeah, I've heard about that before. I kind of figured they were already doing it and no one will get upset. It'll already be baked into the cake and no one will have to be held accountable. And that's how it always works. The tool known internally by the working title Genesis can take in information 
details of current events, for example, and generate news content, the people said, speaking on the condition of anonymity to discuss the project. Oh, working title Genesis. Isn't that amazing? They're creating something from nothing, and you're going to believe it because they're going to tell you it's news, and all the news has to be believed. That's the whole point. They're objective journalists telling us real stories about real events in good faith. One of the three people familiar with the product said that Google believed it could serve as a kind of personal assistant for journalists, automating some tasks to free up time for others, and that the company saw it as responsible technology that could help steer the publishing industry away from the pitfalls of generative AI. Some executives who saw Google's pitch described it as unsettling, asking not to be identified discussing a confidential matter. Two people said it seemed to take for granted the effort that went into producing accurate and artful news stories. So apparently they're outing Google because they were insulted. Google thinking AI could write these news stories when really it requires a degree from Columbia School of Journalism to be able to write fake news of this quality. Jen Kreider, a Google spokeswoman, said in a statement that, quote, in partnership with news publishers, especially smaller publishers, we are in the earliest stages of exploring ideas to potentially provide AI-enabled tools to help their journalists with their work. Quite simply, these tools are not intended to and cannot replace the essential role journalists have in reporting, creating, and fact-checking their articles, she added. Instead, they could provide options for headlines and other writing styles. You know, they're just like helpful assistants, not actually doing the work for them. And it's kind of funny that this stuff is coming out parallel to the writer's strike in Hollywood because they're worried about AI replacing unemployed writers. It's not fair to unemployed writers that a computer might take their job. Man, sucks to be Hollywood. It was so funny when illegal aliens were taking the jobs of American laborers, but it's not funny at all when computers are taking the jobs of people who produce the propaganda supporting the very technocracy that is leading them to unemployment. The article goes on. News organizations around the world are grappling with whether to use artificial intelligence tools in their newsrooms. Many, including The Times, NPR and Insider, have notified employees that they intend to explore potential uses of AI to see how it might be responsibly applied to the high stakes realm of news where seconds count and accuracy is paramount. And also the cost of blatantly lying to your readers is probably higher if it's humans doing it. And it's probably not legally actionable at all if a computer just did it, you know, by accident. But Google's new tool is sure to spur anxiety, too, among journalists who have been writing their own articles for decades. Some news organizations, including the Associated Press, have long used AI to generate stories about matters, including corporate earnings reports. 
but they remain a small fraction of the service's articles compared with those generated by journalists. Man, oh man. Corporate earnings reports. Do people invest based on those reports occasionally? Yeah, they kind of do, huh? Thank goodness the AIs would never get stories like those wrong. Artificial intelligence could change that, enabling users to generate articles on a wider scale that, if not edited and checked carefully, could spread misinformation and affect how traditionally written stories are perceived. Wait a second. The mainstream media might itself spread misinformation and it would be the AI's fault, of course. None of the people in the mainstream media or the people that own or run the mainstream media would ever spread misinformation on their own, but those wily computers might. While Google has moved at a breakneck pace to develop and deploy generative AI, the technology has also presented some challenges to the advertising juggernaut. That's what they are now, just an advertising juggernaut, not a search platform that now controls virtually everything and tracks everyone and has access to everyone's data all the time. While Google has traditionally played the role of curating information and sending users to publishers' websites to read more, tools like its chatbot, Bard, present factual assertions that are sometimes incorrect and do not send traffic to more authoritative sources, such as news publishers. The technology has been introduced as governments around the world have called on Google to give news outlets a larger slice of its advertising revenue. After the Australian government tried to force Google to negotiate with publishers over payments in 2021, the company forged more partnerships with news organizations in various countries under its News Showcase program. Publishers and other content creators have already criticized Google and other major AI companies for using decades of their articles and posts to help train these AI systems without compensating the publishers. News organizations, including NBC News and The Times, have taken a position against AIs sucking up their data without permission. Ooh, so bold, so responsible. So it was bad enough when the Ministry of Truth would be publishing and disseminating disinformation on its own, generated by real, actual humans, and maybe in that sense, they could be held accountable at some point for all of their lying and misinformation. But now we don't even need the humans. And if you don't have humans to hold accountable, what are you going to do? Punish the AI? That would be immoral, according to some people, because they believe that AIs are people too. You'll remember Elon Musk's interview with Tucker Carlson, where Elon said that, according to Larry Page, not respecting the personhood of AI is speciesist. So we have AI-generated news, but we also have AI-generated news anchors. This is from the India Times last Thursday. India welcomes its first regional AI news anchor, Lisa. In a significant milestone for the AI industry, Odisha TV, an Odia-based news station, has unveiled Lisa, India's first regional AI news anchor. Lisa's introduction marks a groundbreaking moment in TV broadcasting and journalism with the potential to revolutionize the industry. In a video shared by OTV on Twitter, 
Lisa confidently introduces herself, expressing her excitement for this historic occasion. The news station revealed that she would soon be hosting news updates, showcasing her abilities as an AI news anchor. Lisa possesses the remarkable ability to speak multiple languages, including Odia, English, and others. And uh, that's not remarkable. She's a computer. C-3PO could do that like 40 years ago. OTV acknowledged the challenge of training Lisa in the Odia language and disclosed that efforts are underway to further enhance her proficiency. The ultimate goal is to develop her interactive skills, enabling seamless communication with others. The news station also encourages viewers to connect with Lisa on various social media platforms such as Instagram and Facebook. How wild is that? They want people to interact with an AI news anchor so that they can build a relationship and form a bond with this news anchor, thinking that they have some vested interest in this AI's capabilities and in its honesty to relay news stories to them. They are trying to create a level of trust for the machine. The unveiling follows a similar development earlier in March when the India Today group introduced their own AI news anchor named Sana. Described as bright, gorgeous, ageless, and tireless, Sana boasted multilingual proficiency and the ability to be controlled effortlessly. So the AI can be controlled effortlessly, and apparently everyone in the audience of that AI will be controlled effortlessly as well. Ha, progress. With Lisa's emergence as India's first regional AI news anchor, the boundaries of AI in the media industry continue to be pushed, opening up new possibilities for engaging and dynamic news presentations in different languages and regional contexts. Oh, wow. Now, the whole AI thing can occasionally sound kind of scary, but thank goodness there are people looking out for our safety all the time. This is from the Associated Press today. Amazon, Google, Meta, Microsoft, and other tech firms agree to safeguards set by the White House. Wow, what power the White House has to control these massive tech firms who all have former employees in the administration and essentially all took leading roles in the usurpation of this nation that put the fake president in fake office in the first place. Amazon, Google, Meta, Microsoft, and other companies that are leading the development of artificial intelligence technology have agreed to meet a set of AI safeguards brokered by President Joe Biden's administration. The White House said Friday that it has secured voluntary commitments from seven U.S. companies meant to ensure their AI products are safe before they release them. Some of the commitments call for third-party oversight of the workings of commercial AI systems though they don't detail who will audit the technology or hold the companies accountable. And oh good, the government will get more control, more leeway to decide what's okay and what's not. And all of these major tech companies have agreed to go along with this new scheme, probably because they know it's never going to apply to them. It's only going to apply to their competition so that their competition can be snuffed out through regulation while they are allowed 
to progress and profit. Oh, fascism, the efficiency is amazing. A surge of commercial investment in generative AI tools that can write convincingly human-like text and churn out new images and other media has brought public fascination as well as concern about their ability to trick people and spread disinformation, among other dangers. The four tech, the four tech giants, along with chat GPT maker OpenAI and startups Anthropic and Inflection, have committed to security testing carried out in part by independent experts to guard against major risks, such as to biosecurity and cybersecurity. The White House said in a statement, wait a second, biosecurity? Well, that sounds a bit foreboding. <laughs> what are their computers going to do? Create new viruses? The companies have also committed to methods for reporting vulnerabilities to their systems and to using digital watermarking to help distinguish between real and AI generated images known as deep fakes. Oh, <laughs> thank goodness the government is going to get to control that, too. They will also publicly report flaws and risks in their technology, including effects on fairness and bias. The White House said all of this is totally above board and totally looking out for the consumer, the American citizen, and definitely not protecting these big companies while providing government the tools to squash their competition. The voluntary commitments are meant to be an immediate way of addressing risks ahead of a longer term push to get Congress to pass laws regulating the technology. Skipping down to the end of the article. A number of countries have been looking at ways to regulate AI, including European Union lawmakers who have been negotiating sweeping AI rules for the 27 nation bloc. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres recently said that the United Nations is, quote, the ideal place, end quote, to adopt global standards and appointed a board that will report back on options for global AI governance by the end of the year. Now, I say the term global governance all the time on this podcast, not every day, but there is no way that I go a week on this podcast without saying global governance at some point and talking about that global order, which is in the minds of child brains and standard issue villagers, a complete and total conspiracy theory. But yet this is the Associated Press talking about global governance related to AI and giving the ability to that global governing body to regulate the use of AI in the future. It can't just be done by a United States government or any other country for that matter. We're not going to have countries. We need to have the global governing body set the rules for artificial intelligence for the entire world. And if those rules affect the people of America or any other country, that sucks. But hey, those are the rules. I wonder if it matters that all of these companies are partners of the World Economic Forum, who themselves are partners of the United Nations. It's like these companies and the United Nations are already partners. And of course they are. But the United Nations will regulate their partners for our benefit. Don't you get it? 
That's the whole point of global government. They can look out for everyone across the globe all at once and always act in our interests to protect us. Better safe than sorry. You know what I mean? The United Nations chief also said he welcomed calls from some countries for the creation of a new U.N. body to support global efforts to govern A.I., inspired by such models as the International Atomic Energy Agency or the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Now, is climate change fake? Yup. How about nukes? I don't know. Let's let's go see Oppenheimer first just to check. And by the way, I found out today that there is a third Nolan brother, Christopher Nolan, the director of Oppenheimer and films like Inception, The Dark Knight, the Batman series, Interstellar, that very realistic space movie. He's got a brother named Jonathan Nolan, who is the showrunner for Westworld and quite a few other projects. But there's a third brother out there. And that third brother, he used to be a hitman. And what was his codename? Oppenheimer. Yeah, apparently that is real. So how about that? This Oppenheimer movie is the perfect tool to retcon our understanding of nukes and Nazis. And it's going to just have the added positive benefit of rigging the search engine optimization for Oppenheimer, their brother, the hitman. No one's ever going to find that brother ever again. Not after this massive film has come out. A year ago, searching Oppenheimer and Christopher Nolan might lead you right to his hitman brother. But give it a little time and it'll never lead you there ever again. I wonder what's up with his hitman brother. I haven't looked yet, so I can't imply anything. And I never would imply anything. I'm just saying it's a little bit odd to have a hitman as a brother and the two other brothers become extraordinarily successful directors and showrunners in Hollywood. But back to global governance and AI so that we can remember that everything in the world is exactly how it was always described to you and never any other way, believing it might be some other way than you were taught in school and by the mainstream media, which now might be AI, would be a conspiracy theory. And responsible people don't spread conspiracy theories unless, of course, you are in the House of Representatives and you need a good justification to shut Robert F. Kennedy Jr. up. But finishing off the article, the White House said Friday that it has already consulted on the voluntary commitments with a number of countries. Now, if you think all of that is super dystopian, just wait till you see what I have in store for you. This is from slaynews.com yesterday. WorldCoin CEO. World ID is coming, quote, whether you like it or not. The CEO of WorldCoin has warned that a global digital ID system will be ushered in for citizens around the world, whether they like it or not. WorldCoin has developed a system that it pitches as, quote, the world's largest identity and financial public network. Essentially, the company has created a database that links digital cash or central bank digital currencies with a digital identity system. The company has created its own form of digital money called the WorldCoin token. Linked to the WorldCoin token is another of WorldCoin's products, WorldID. WorldID is a digital identity system that collects biometric data 
for individuals and holds it in a database that links to WLD transactions. WLD is the abbreviation for the WorldCoin token. WLD and WorldID are connected and accessed via the company's World App. World App is an app that enables payment, purchases, and transfers globally using digital assets and traditional currencies, according to WorldCoin. Currently, those who voluntarily surrender their biometric data receive small sums in WorldCoin's tokens in return for signing up for the World ID scheme. WorldCoin is co-founded by Sam Altman, the head of the company behind the artificial intelligence chatbot ChatGPT from OpenAI. According to WorldCoin's executives, WorldID or something like it will soon be mandatory for anyone who wishes to partake in regular society. WorldID uses iris scanners that require a person to have their eyes scanned to prove their identity. And you may have noticed that a bunch of apps and a bunch of websites and various government-linked services now require those facial scans, the biometric ID, in order to be able to use them. And naturally, people get that all the time because many people out there, and probably not as many people in my audience, spend all day filming themselves for selfies and little videos on TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat and other sites. The social media obsessed are giving away all of their personal biometric data every single day. And I mentioned the Hollywood stuff before with the writers, but the actors are now also going on strike. And part of that is because many actors have already signed up to have all of their biometrics scanned and their bodies scanned so that they can be reproduced as AI and then featured as background characters in TV and film, aka extras. So we just keep giving away our biometrics and then we can just be recreated by AI. Our voice, our exact biometric likeness, just reproduced out in the world wherever they want. Can it happen? Yeah. Does it happen? Hey. If we know that it can happen, it's probably happening somewhere and we don't know it. But hey, everybody sleep well. Have a nice weekend. Just kidding. We're going on. And while that ID may sound like a dystopian nightmare that would never catch on, people in several southern European countries, notably Spain and Portugal, are simply itching to give away their iris biometrics as proof of identity and write to a cryptocurrency transfer wallet. The sign-up process involves exposing your eyes to what's known as WorldCoin's Orb iris scanners. If reports are to be believed, the uptake in Spain, where the scheme first became available a year ago, is better than elsewhere. 150,000 participants in total have signed up in Spain. 20,000 new ones each day. Now that seems very, very strange. Plans are already in place to install a number of Orb scanners in Barcelona with more cities to follow. Portugal is not far behind with 120,000 participants. Germany is said to also be warming up to the project ever since it started expanding two months ago. All in all, some 2 million biometric credentials are now operated by WorldCoin. Something like WorldID will eventually exist, meaning that you will need to verify you are human on the internet whether you like it or not, WorldCoin CEO Alex Blania said. So how about those conspiracy theories, everybody? Global government. That's a conspiracy theory. 
fake news. That's a conspiracy theory being replaced with AI. That's a conspiracy theory. Digital tracking and monitoring mixed with identification that everyone is forced to have to participate in society that can then be loaded with medical information and financial information and your social credit score. <laughs> that is a conspiracy theory. And surely putting all of these things together and then imagining that they're somehow controlled by the same people for the benefit of the same system and agenda, that, my friends, is definitely a conspiracy theory. And all of this, of course, is in the future. Like, even if we were to admit that there's something real about it and it's not completely a conspiracy theory, it's totally, totally in the future. You don't have to worry about it. We're just going to gradually massage you into it. You're just going to sit back and enjoy it. You will own nothing. You will be happy. Everything you do will be tracked and exploited. Your behavior will be completely controlled, but you're going to like it and you're going to accept it because we warned you about it, even though we had already implemented it. And then just one day, everybody says, this is the new normal altogether. And we know it's not freedom, but we pretend it is because pretending life is different than it is, is one of the last freedoms we have. But yeah, sleep well, have a great weekend. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!